We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. This episode of Everyday Acupuncture is sponsored in part by the Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine. SEAM has been training exceptional clinicians since 1994. Graduates provide effective patient care in 25 states and five different countries. The program at SEAM represents a modern take on the age-old model of apprenticeship training. One experienced teacher working with a small group of students focused on the clinical interaction with a patient. Using this approach not only allows them to provide the highest level of clinical training available today, it also grounds the program in the traditional methodologies used for centuries in the training of medical practitioners. Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine is accepting applications now for master's and doctoral programs beginning in September 2018. For more information, go to www.siom.edu. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Everyday Acupuncture. Today is a slightly different kind of podcast, and it's different because I've been spending the last month in Taiwan, sort of on retreat, working on some projects, drinking tea, enjoying the great food here, and uh, visiting with friends. One of the people that I really enjoy hanging out with is my friend Pia. Pia is also a Chinese medicine practitioner. She learned her stuff in uh, Shaman China some years ago. She is a Buddhist. She's a meditator, long-time meditator. She's a translator of Buddhist texts, and uh, she and I love to drink tea together, and she knows some great places to go drink tea. So, Today, instead of the usual kind of interview where I sit down and and we sort of go at it directly in a one-on-one conversation, today I want to give you a taste of Taiwan and a little taste of what it's like to hang out in a Taiwanese tea shop. So today, I hope you will enjoy this conversation as we take a walk down the street 
to this wonderful little tea shop where the guy not only sells the tea, but he makes it himself. So please enjoy this conversation with my friend Pia. Hey Pia, we should go we're gonna go to your friend's tea shop. All yes. right, let's head on out. Just around the corner from my house. Lucky you and some fang pian. Yeah, convenient and for you. Not only does he sell tea, he makes the tea himself too. All right. And they've just gotten their chun cha. Oh, you can open the door here. The chun cha. What kind of tea is chun tea? Chun Ta is uh, it's the oolong tea and it's the spring the spring growth the, or the spring, spring growth the spring bloom. Okay, so this is this is the new spring bloom that we're going to go check out. Yes. Okay, so we're here in Kaohsiung, Kaohsiung, Taiwan. Kaohsiung, Taiwan. Southern part of the island. Yep. And uh, we're headed to Pia's friend's tea shop. We're walking along the street. You'll probably hear motorcycles and. The land of scooters here because it's much easier to park and uh, it's just too hot. It's too hot to sit in a car. Well, it's much easier to have the, you know, it's much more comfortable to have the breeze as you scooter along. Well, and not to mention that finding a place to park a car around here? Oh, yeah. Not so easy. Now, my friend in Taipei says that she sees a, an empty parking space on the side of the road. She feels like parking just just out of spite. Just, just so I can have a spot. Just so they, I can say I've parked in Taipei. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the nice thing about Taipei is, uh, while scooters are very convenient there, the mm-hmm. mass transit MRT system is phenomenal. Yes. But not the same. I mean, Kaohsiung actually has a pretty good system, but you have to... Uh, first of all, do a lot of research, and second of all, you have to be very patient for the buses to come. Um, and most people don't, so it's not really, um, it's not as convenient as Taipei, and most people don't take public transportation. So you gotta ride the bike. Scooter it up, except for us, we're walking around the corner. Scooter it, or, well, there, I mean, there is the underground now, which is pretty good Mm -hmm. in in Kaohsiung. For, you know, like, if you're just here visiting the city, it'll get you to most places you, you want to go. Well, conveniently, we're just walking around the block right now. So, yes. Pia, tell us a little more. We've got we've got some spring tea uh-huh. coming up. Yep. What other kinds of... And what's the name of this cat? Who, who is this guy that we're going to go Mr. visit? Mr. Lee. We're going to see Mr. Lee for tea. Yep. All right. So, in addition to the oolong teas, which Taiwan is very famous for, mm-hmm. what other kind of stuff does he carry? He, he primarily sells oolong. But he has a little bit of um, Dongfang Meiren. Oh, the, now that Dongfang Meiren is, that's more of a northern tea, isn't it? Isn't that from the north yeah, part of the island? Yeah, a little bit farther north. But actually, what, I, what really, um, it, it's, it's a type of leaf, which is different than the oolong type. Um, but it also has to do with the, the little, um, it, the, there's bugs that come and bite the edges of the leaf. And they leave a little bit of their 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 saliva on it, or their 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 chemical, whatever they, they excrete, mm-hmm. and that trans that has a chemical reaction with the leaf that adds a honey flavor that characterizes the Oriental beauty. And the that's where the Dongfang Meiren's flavor comes that's from. That's where the May the May the May of the Dongfang Meiren comes from. Yes. Wait, we get away. Wait, Peaches is not catching up. She's got short legs. Okay. <laughs> 
here in Taiwan, you can take little dogs to the tea shop. It's totally a cool thing to do. Li Sensang Woman, Sensai Kodesh Shama Cha, what kind of tea are you making for us here? So it's very high. It's a very high mountain called Li Mountain, Li Shan, and it's the the oolong tea from there. Okay, so it's the largest area producing tea at the the largest and at the highest level um, producing tea, and it's on the it's kind of like on the edge of two counties between Nanto and Taichung. So it's basically the middle part of the island. Yes, yes, the high mountains in the middle. Great. So we've got uh, we've got hot water here. We've got a lovely little teapot mm -hmm. and uh, some cups and. Looks like we have some tea here in just a minute or two. Yeah. Yeah, the serving pot was made by his friend, and it's done with um, it's uh, done in a kiln that they that they use wood to fire it. Mm-hmm. Kind of a ra uh, raccoon. Rustic. Yeah. yeah a little, yeah, it's raccoon. quite rustic. So, what's this called? This because we've got a teapot here, mm -hmm. and then it gets poured into a. Uh, it's called Tahai. Tahai. The sea a tea of tea. Ocean. Tea ocean of tea. Yes. Ocean of tea. It's another pot, basically. Yes. So, because the tea can't be sitting in the water for too long, or else it, it will over. It, it you can't let it give too much in one in, in one um, washing. Yeah. Of the leaves. Yes. Yes, I'll, I can help you with your English. Brewing of the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it comes. All right, this is the first washing. Mm-hmm. Now, some of these oolong teas, you can brew them, you can wash the leaves a lot. Uh, so you can wash it. Okay, so these, these Taiwan teas are really robust and you can wash the leaves on these like 12 or 16 times. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you can brew up a lot of tea from just a few leaves. Yes, but mind you, it's using the very small Taiwanese-style teapot. You couldn't do that with a giant pot of water. Right. So, Pia, tell us a little bit. You've done a little bit of study with tea. Mm -hmm. And tell us about these small teapots and the process that Mr. Lee is going through here to... Uh, to extract the flavors. A lot of people in the West think that this is some kind of a ceremony. Mm, no. um, I'm not <laughs> sure about your thoughts on this. It seems to me it's just more of a, a really handy technology for getting to know something about the character of the leaves and enjoy some tea along the way. Well, uh, historically there have been a lot of different ways to make tea. It's been like in the Tang Dynasty, it was powdered and whisked in a bowl. Sort of it, Japanese style? Yeah, that, well, the Tang Dynasty, the, Japan, a lot of the culture came, went over during the Tang Dynasty and has remained there. It's lovely, huh? So this is, this is the first washing of these leaves, folks. And often with the first washing, it's a little bit, it's a little bit weak. It's not that fragrant, it's not that full yet, but this, this is already just the first washing of the leaves and it's, it's incredibly delicious tea. Very full flavored. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
This is very high quality. It's a now, very high quality. Did I hear tea. him say correctly that this is one of the like it won an award or it's an award-winning tea? No, no, no. no. Uh, it's the like, it's just come down from the mountain, so it's uh -huh. very very fresh. It's the first of the spring teas from from Lee Mountain. Hmm. Well, just continue a little bit what I was saying yeah. before. There have been a lot of different. Um, there have been pressed tea cakes. There have been teas that have had like times during tea history, the tea culture in which they've had to cook the tea in a pot and they cook it with medicines. Mm. That was also an earlier stage of tea. And at this point now in Taiwan, it's the, the, within the culture, they use these very tiny tea pots and it, it, it kind of condenses the flavor in a way that it's, you don't need to brew it for very long so that each brewing of the, the, of the leaves is very distinct is very powerful and it's very concentrated. And, and it, it seems like you don't drink the same tea all the way through. I mean, the flavor can really change yeah, well, over the course of washing the leaves. Yes. Alright, so it has a lot to do with the with the way that the tea is made. It's rolled into these very tight balls, and so when the when the hot water goes on it, they open a little bit, so they're giving a little bit of the flavor, but it has the most the different kinds of uh the if we look at it from a chemical perspective, the most, the, the, the greatest amount are at the very beginning, but then towards the middle of the, the third, fourth, fifth, uh, fifth brew, you get that the leaves are much more open, and so they're giving a lot more. And so that's why the flavor seems to get a lot stronger and thicker, and then uh, it will slowly get less, you know, it'll be, become more and more, you know, the, the kinds of flavors will, 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 will the, it'll slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the flavor profile really does change as the leaves, as they get wet and they open up. Mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe in the beginning you seem to maybe get more of the volatiles. Yes. More of the flowery the volatiles. subtle ones yeah. that, that they, they, they come and go very quickly. They come yeah. and go quickly in the first washing or two, and then mm -hmm. you get these uh, sort of more sturdy flavors that yes. come through later. I've lost half my English. I noticed. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it can really be funny with, with the language this way. Yes. That, that you know, the, uh, the two languages can kind of mess with each other and we can either forget our words mm -hmm. or the uh, grammars get mixed up. So you might be using well, English well, words with Chinese grammar and... and or the terminology, because I've learned all about tea in Chinese. And the same with Chinese medicine. I studied all in Chinese. I can't talk about it in English. I have no idea it's much how harder. to talk about it, how to speak about Chinese medicine, or about Buddhism, a lot of Buddhism, and like the things that I've studied in Chinese. It's really hard for me to express in English. It's, it's really hard. Well, I, I can tell you I made a big mistake 
almost 20 years ago when I first came to Taiwan to learn some Chinese because I thought if I understood Chinese medicine mm -hmm. in Chinese, I'd be able to explain it better to people in English. Guess what? <laughs> it took me further from the mark. Oh. Right? Oh, so I can understand how you would have this issue. You've learned it mm -hmm. in Chinese. Yes. Taking it into English, we have the words, but we, but there's so much experience that happens in this other language, mm -hmm. it's hard to catch the nuance. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and if you want to just speak normally, you can't be sitting there thinking of a, like a, like an appropriate choice of words. No, because it gets in the way of conversation. Right, like the volatiles. That was perfect. It was like, oh, oh yeah, that is so perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to say, but but it, it, conceptually and the way it's expressed is completely different than Chinese. How would you say volatiles in Chinese? Oh, okay, now you're testing my Chinese. Hmm? But uh, no, I, no, no, I'm just curious. Um, for the flavors of the tea that you were just talking about, yes, it would be um, but 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 that's not exactly right because now I'm thinking I'm like half in English and half in Chinese. Okay, so my brain is all mixed up. Maybe Mr. Lee would know. Can we uh, ask him? Yeah. Oh, I love coming here. His explanations are so clear and concise and really like he's got so much research in his in his back pocket that he can talk about it from a scientific but also from a very every day like combining them so basically what we talk about is like as the fragrance the flowery fragrances which don't last for very long mm -hmm. even in the wild like the fragrance of a flower kind of comes and goes in little whiffs so it's that those delicate subtle flowery fragrances mm -hmm. um whereas the the body of it is more it comes out into the water itself Whereas the, the, the fragrances kind of ride on the water, whereas the whereas the, the, the body of the tea, which is the more more like the there's actually bits and bobs in the water, mm -hmm. like that color the water and that, that thicken the water and the, 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 the oily parts and whatever, that is where the body of the tea is actually infused into the water. Whereas the fragrances kind of ride on the water. Kind of rides on the water. And you know, the thing that I found really interesting about well, the oolong in particular, and Dongfang Meiren as well, mm -hmm. and, and a few other teas. Once you've finished the tea in your teacup, mm -hmm. there's still some fragrance that lingers in the cup. You can sort of put it up to your nose yes. and breathe in through your nose, and and you'll get this intense. It's either sweet or honey, but there'll be some kind of flavor that's similar to what you taste with your tongue, except you're actually tasting it with your nose. Mm. 刚才在说明说那个喝完了杯子里面还会留香很好的茶就就有这样子的我们大概就接我们我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概就接我们大概
the Mahayana, the Mahayana, the, the, the northern, and southern because it went. It, it was the Theravada tradition was um, preserved much better in Southeast Asia, so it's called the southern tradition. Mm. Yeah. Um, she started learning in the northern, but then. Miss um, Yang ended up uh, just really resonating with uh, the the southern with Theravada tradition and practices that. So I've just asked Mr. Lee if we could drink some of this red oolong. I was here last week. At the beginning of the process, there is heavy oxidation of the of the leaves before or fermentation. Some people call it fermented. Some mm -hmm. people call it oxidation. Um, before it gets before it goes into the drying process, um, and, and that's the very traditional way of making it. And so traditionally, this was just oolong, but oolong now has become associated with a much greener, with a much less fermented or less oxidized tea. Um, whereas this was the the traditional way of drinking it was the way that he makes it. So back in the day they made it like this. Yes. And now they've gone to these lighter, sort of more of a blue-green tea. Yeah. It's, it's a little oxidized. It's not quite green tea, which has very little or no oxidation. No oxidation. It has a green little no bit oxidation. of oxidation. Yeah. Green tea has up to 5%, whereas the oolong that, that's out today is like about 12 to 20 let me check and make sure on those numbers. Check on that, and then and then check on the red oolong that we're about to uh, okay. to drink. So, from我的了解，那个绿茶的发酵度是可以到五，还是完全零？呃，以数据来讲，是要零才能叫做绿茶。So let me first get this part before we go on. Mm -hmm. um, technically, green tea should have zero oxidation or fermentation but between the time that it's cut and the time that it, it's uh the what's called sa ching which means to to kill the microbes which means to freeze it in the state that it, it like they use steam to stop it in its chemical process so that it no longer oxidates or ferments and um in that time it may but but it's like within the five percent range and technically it should be zero, but most of the time there, there, there's like a time lapse between mm -hmm. cutting the tea and actually steaming Between it. the time you, you cut it and the time that you actually, because it's going to naturally ferment a bit. Yes, After yes. you've cut it, between the time you've cut it and the time that you actually stop the fermentation, a little bit has little bit, probably little passed. Bit. But then like if it's like a little bit over five, but, but not up to the point of oolong, then you have white tea, yellow tea, or what's called qing cha. Qing cha is very hard to, it's very hard to translate it into English because qing is like a dark green, which... Well, it's kind of a greenish blue as I understand bluish. it. Greenish bluish, yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's an algae kind of a color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the color of darker, deeper water. Mm. Especially like up in the Pacific Northwest where I used to live. Mm. We would have kind of a qing color. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the day, it would look a little more blue or a little more gray or a little more green. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a, another step up in fermentation. What comes after Ching Cha? There are a bunch of... Uh, first, he gives like the, the overall map of all of the teas. So there is the green completely unfermented. There is the slightly fermented 
white, yellow, and the the qing or the the, the blue green, and then there is the um, partially fermented range, which is hi hi, hi. 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 which is the largest range, and then there is the um, what is called red tea or what we call black tea. And then there is, in Chinese, uh, which is fully fermented. The, the red tea is a fully fermented tea. And then there is black tea, which is a post-fermented process. It has a process of post-fermentation. And it's called black tea. And that would be like a poor teas. Yes, poor tea. And there is a tea which is called black tea. Hi. It's great, you know, sometimes people just come in, you know, we're hanging at a tea shop. People in Taiwan come in, they hang out, they drink tea, and this is Mr. Lawyer Wu. Lawyer Wu. And uh, so tell us what he just All said. Right. So Lawyer Wu had, had some very good points about tea being part, just part of the, the culture. And it's an everyday thing. It's just part of part of everyday life, and in, in, like a lot of things, like a lot of uh, things that have curative or um, preventative properties, have become just a part of the everyday life or a part of the cycle of things um, which people eat and drink. And so, tea is also can be called uh, a medicine because it it helps uh, it helps our skin and other things. Ah, that's right. So earlier, he, earlier he was talking about tea. You know, like in England, that they have got they've got the afternoon tea, but that's more like for you know it goes it was with snacks and everything, and it's. Um, but in China, it's part of the culture, and he he's lawyer who talks about culture as being the things that stay with us after the f like when you like like when you sift the rice, and mm. the parts of it that that get that go that get thrown away are the parts that. That blow away in the wind are the parts that are not nutritious. Culture is what's left. It's like the rice that is left in the in the basket, in the the sifting basket, um, which is which is full of nutrition, which is full of things that are good for people. And tea tea is combined like is part of uh, the Chinese medicine is very similar. It's through people's experience and what gets you know like what is tried and true over thousands of years. You know like which ones are effective medicines and what do they actually do for you you know this is like it, it comes through thousands of years of experience of Chinese medical doctors and the connection between um, Chinese medicine and tea is the qi because tea has qi and it depends on where the qi flows as to the mm, the uh, curative properties of this tea now, I'm glad you bring that up, because I know that in the time that I've been here in Taiwan and we've been hanging out and drinking tea, mm. sometimes you'll talk about, oh, I can feel this tea in my Du channel. I can feel this tea in my Ren channel. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Usually when people think about drinking tea, they're thinking about a flavor. Mm. Of course, Chinese medicine doctors know that different herbs and different substances will enter different Jing Luo. Yeah. So talk to us a bit about tea and the Jing Luo. Well, it's the same thing as medicine. I mean, I mean, medicines are plants. 
and their leaves and their sticks and things like that. Well, well, so is tea. Yeah. Tea is leaves and sticks yeah, and things like that. And they'll have energy because they, they come from the, 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 the earth and they grow because of energy. And so if you are, if you can quiet your mind and still your body and just um, make contact either with your hand or with your tongue or with your, through the fragrance, with the energy, and you can then feel in your body, what is this energy doing in my body? Then you can feel, is it... Um, is it affecting the stomach? Is it is it moving along the stomach meridian, or how does my stomach feel as I t- as I touch or approach this tea? Mm. How does my you know like what is moving in the body? Where is the feeling in the body? So if you just quiet your mind, I mean, most people naturally have these abilities. It's just a matter of whether you open yourself to them or not. And in your experience, would you say that different teas enter different meridians? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. Yes. And does that have to do with the kind of tea or the way it's processed or it's just its particular unique nature or maybe even its nature with this particular moment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From my experience with um, particularly strong ener- like the, the energetic experience of the tea is particularly strong with the tree type of poor tea. Mm. Uh, different areas of the of the tea have extremely different. Uh, they have like a different chi. Um, so different parts of the same tree. No, or no, no, di- different areas where the tree is. Yeah, different parts of Yunnan. They, there's like a river, and then there's like um, one which is called the 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 mother the the female side, and then the the, the male side, or the yin side and the yang side of the river. Yeah, uh, areas in Yunnan where the trees where the trees grow, and the energy is completely distinct. It's distinctively yang and distinctively yin when you drink those pure. And the yang is very, in, in my from my experience, very concentrated, very pillar-like. It goes to the the middle of the body, going shooting up into the sky and then down into the earth. Whereas the 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 one from the yin area is much more cloud-like. It kind of it's like your body kind of dissipates in a cloud-like sort of a feeling when you, when you drink the tea energetically. It's a very it's very very distinct. But both of them lead to lead to. Uh, a state of very peaceful and, and focused mind. But one is in a dissipative focus, relaxed, complete relaxed and, and letting go. And the other one is a very concentrated but relaxed and focused. It's very, very interesting. Well, this is one of the things I really enjoy about Chinese medicine, thinking about these things, that we can get to something like being relaxed mm. from a yin aspect or from a yang aspect. You know, so often we think yang has nothing to do with relaxation. You know, it's very easy to make that, that mistake. Yeah. But here you're talking about that we could take both of these energies and they can each arrive us in a similar place yes. through different, different methods, so yes. to speak. Different pathways. Yeah. Just never know where the conversation is going to go in a tea house. <laughs> That's true. Because you never know who's going to walk in the door. That's right. <laughs> so this tea, even though it's an oolong, the same as the last one, but the um, the pre-processing before it gets steamed is completely different. And, and it's... Um, Mr. Lee was talking about before, like like it can be chemically tested. 
as to Bye. Oh, Neelik, hi. Bye-bye. As to, like, if you do an actual testing on it, it um, the transfer, the, the oxidation process can be, can be measured. So it's this measuring, and like once, once you, you've measured enough tea, you don't need the equipment to measure it. They, 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 the old masters didn't have equipment to, mas no, they to, just, to measure they just They just know looked, how to do it. They knew how to do it. They knew how the, that the col this color and this amount of the leaf has turned red, that, that it is at this point of oxidation. And they know that this is, if they wanted to turn it into a, an oolong like we're drinking now, a very traditional, more earthy flavored oolong, then they would have to, uh, you know, let it wilt and, and oxidate to percentage at that level. And he said this one that we're drinking now mm. is uh, oxidized at about 45%. 45%, yeah. Very traditional, very yeah. very traditional flavor. And the color is so different. The the color of what we were drinking before was sort of a yellow green, and this is more of a golden amber. Yes, 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 yes. So it's more earthy. So here's our friend. He has a he's um he's a radio personality who does interviews on the radio. He's, he's asked me a few times to do an interview. I haven't. You should. Yeah. Why not? Oh, I don't know what to talk about yet. Just think about something to talk about. You could talk about anything. You could talk about tea like we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, why not go on the radio? You've got plenty to talk about. <laughs> I wonder if the Taoist is going to come today. I don't know. We, I mean, you never know could be. who might show up in a place like this. Oh, well, this is the most interesting tea shop. Very different than others. Most of the, Many times on, on Monday, I've been sitting here with... A, a minister oh oh okay a minister from uh, who, who lives in america she's the daughter of a man who was a singing an old very old singing personality on television here um lawyer u comes um lawyer u comes yeah lawyer okay. u comes and then there's this man with a long white beard he's a he's a taoist master and there's another man who is also a taoist but he's more like in the um uh he does um fortune telling He's mm. a Taoist, but he does fortune telling, and he also has studied Buddhism. And then we have a few businessmen who come, and we have this man who is the in the radio announcer. And it's a very interesting tea shop. And there's you. And there's me. <laughs> and the small dog. And the little dog, yeah. 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 I know I need to get some more of this mm. red oolong to take home and you know he said that you can take this stuff and put it in a ceramic container yes. and let it sit for a few years yes so you were talking about some of the different teas the black tea in particular mm -hmm. but this tea as well that you can let it sit for years and it will get better and better it, yes ask ask lawyer U about this he his house is full of treasure bot like bottles full of treasures, different tea treasures from different time periods. Ask him how long. Ask him what his oldest tea is. Need how do you say store? Chun? Chun Fang. Ni Chun Fang the Cha. Chui Lao de Shi Duo Lao. Nineteen eighty one is the oldest tea that you you, you started collecting, you've got tea from nineteen eighty one. But he's got even older tea than that, though. The tea was older before it got to him. 
So like the from the tea that the oolong tea he started buying in 1981 and has every year he buys a bunch of tea and some he will store drink very slowly and some he drinks right away that year and enjoys it and then um, after having after having uh, experienced oolong teas he got into poor and poor cakes are some of the poor cakes are much older but they were older before they came into his to his hands um, but from his own oolong tea uh, starting from 1981 he has a collection of teas from every year from then up to now mm. That sounds like quite a collection. I'm just getting mine going over the past 15 years. Mm -hmm. well, 15 mm. years is pretty good time. Do you have some nice storage vats? No, I, mainly the teas that I store mm -hmm. are the poor teas. Mm. I don't have them in a vat. I, I keep them in a kind of a cabinet. Okay. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I've got a friend up in Taipei. Yeah who has some old teas mm. and he he will often lay some of those on me <laughs> and uh, I, I keep those in some containers and, and drink them slowly because yeah you know you're you know the older they get the the better they are yes 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 but I definitely want to get some of this red oolong mm -hmm. and uh, you know probably drink some when I get home mm -hmm. and then uh, maybe drink a little bit next year and maybe a little bit the year after put it in a nice little earthen container yeah <laughs> see what it's like in five years mm -hmm. so what's going on here as these teas these particular kinds of teas they sit what's happening that allows them to keep turning into something else ask Mr. Lee well, he's the expert okay you ask him for me hey. 這個茶放在瓮裡面,它是它是什麼樣的一個過程?Teas um they will continue their process of of a post fermentation as the as time goes along and whether or not you you put it into an earthen vessel there is a little bit more um, like contact with the air because it's more porous but you can keep it just in the tea, in the bag itself. Yeah. Huh? Bye 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 bye. Bye bye. You can keep it in the bag and it's fine. It, and there's actually because it's actually more airtight than than that, and and the process of of change, chemical change, will will happen much slower. Mm. So having it exposed to the air will speed it up. Will speed it up, yeah. But he was saying something about it getting moldy. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, and, and I asked about is there a limitation of how long you can keep it, and he said not really unless unless it gets exposed exposed to moisture, which will which will lead to mold, which will make it uh, undrinkable, will yeah. spoil it. It'll ruin it. It'll spoil it, yeah. So you want to keep it dry. Yes. And you want to have it exposed to a little bit of air. Yeah. Yes. And you want to let it sit for a few years. Mm -hmm. Or a decade. Yeah. Or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. All right, so we're, now we're going to have a red oolong. This is a little different than the one that we've just had. Yes. Mr. Lee is going to pile this up. He's going to chong shui, pile up some tea, brew up some tea. We're going to see how this one is compared to the last one that we had. 
This is one of the really fun things about hanging out in a Taiwanese tea house is there's so many kinds of tea. They each have their own tussa. They have their own particular characteristic. And not only in just going through a, a pot of tea and, and seeing its flavor profile like we were talking earlier, but to be able to sit here and compare some different teas, mm -hmm. how's this one a little bit different than that, and also just what it's like, what the feeling is like while we're in here because why don't you describe what, what what why don't you just describe what's around you i'm going to do that but i was what i was first going to say was yeah. you know some different people have come in they've come out yeah you know different people are being in the room change the feeling of the room yeah right it could be a sure. little quieter a little noisier there's just a you know there's just a feeling so we're in a in a little shop here it's probably measured i don't know it's uh I'm not good with measurements, but it's kind of a narrow and somewhat long shop. There are wooden cabinets that hold teapots and uh, little storage vessels for putting the tea in. And then, of course, there are just, well, I was going to say acres and acres, but that's an exaggeration. But there's all kinds of tea in here. There's little bags here. There's canisters there. Uh, I'm going to try to get some pictures for you guys as well so you can see what it looks like. The place is just full of tea. And uh, we're sitting here at Mr. Lee's. He's got this big tea table. And this is really, the, the tea tables here are interesting because you splash a lot of water around. So these are self-draining. So you can, you can get pretty playful with the water. <laughs> and it just drains down into a bucket that, that lady you throw away. And uh, we've got all kinds of teapots sitting here. And uh, different teacups. Yeah. What else, what do you notice in here, Pia? Well, all right, well, well a little bit, what's, what's really unusual here is that a lot of his friends um, will buy a pot and fill it with tea and leave it at his shop. So what then, when they come, occasionally, like if, if there's like a, like a auspicious meeting of people, they will say, ah, take some tea from that pot of mine over, over there in the back. And so they'll, they will offer their tea to the guests who are here. And it's often tea that has been sitting here for 10, 15 years. And it's a really particularly delicious one. And, um, and it's a very, it's a community event. And his shop is very much about uh, people coming together, it, it, people making friends. Um, um, you know, like making connections, helping each other out uh, with advice about things. Or, or like oftentimes people will talk about the things that they're dealing with and try to help each other out. Um, as they sit here at this table with whoever may come and whoever may or may not know each other, but you become friends by the end of your, by the end of your time in the tea shop. Whether or not you buy tea. You don't have to buy tea when you come into a tea shop. You just get to bring yourself to the tea shop. Yeah. Yeah. This is a unique thing. This is something you wouldn't really find in the United States. No. No. It just doesn't exist. Not really. Yeah. This is this is part of the Taiwanese wenhua. Beautiful it's part of the culture. Beautiful yeah. part of the Taiwanese culture. You can just come and hang in a tea shop. Yeah. You meet new friends. You get to try different teas. You, sometimes you learn a little something about tea. I mean, I'm no expert on tea, but... I find that it's delightful to be able to hang out with people who know a lot about tea mm -hmm. because a little bit will sometimes rub off. 
Well, this is a very traditional way of a, of a, of tea shop operating. It's very, very. It's very. It's all about community. It's all about relationships. Because sooner or later, you're gonna need tea, and we'll buy it. Um, but not every shop operates like this. But for the most part, you know, like if you go into a shopping mall or whatever, um, if it's a, if they have a table out, they they're gonna make tea for you. You can sit down and try it and. For the most part, they're not going to like be pressuring you to buy it straight off. They're just offering you tea. Yeah, building I, relationships with your customer base is very important. I've, I've seen this all over the island in my time here, that there is a, there is a certain spirit of generosity. Very much. Very big very, spirit very of generosity. Much. And there's something about people just coming together like you were saying people come for advice they come for some companionship they come for yep. community it's kind of a community center uh, yes with you good tea you did from tea friendships through tea friendships through tea so this is a very, this must be very precious. It's in a very, very tiny bag. Must be very nice. Good quality. And it's a different kind of teapot. This one is less rounded and kind of a square looking thing. Look at the color of that stuff. Wow. Wow. Go ahead and translate what he just said. That was, that was, that was beautiful. beautiful. So he says, teapots have personality. Cups have personality. The tea has different, each tea has its own personality. Even water has its own personality. And so, uh, depending on the personality of the tea that you are making, you need to choose the pot that suits it, uh, the water, and also the cups that suit it. Mm. And this is just experience as to how to choose the right one. It's just experience. And, and this tea is, it's like, it's sort of ruby. Yeah. Oh, what, what kind of pajama? So this is very technical now. So this is called red oolong because first they use red tea, the, the, the process of making red tea in which they break the leaves in the wilting, uh, in, in the, in the wilting process and so that there's a lot of oxidation, so that there are more faces to, to, to oxidize. So when the leaves are broken up and, and smashed a little bit, it will oxidize much more fully. Mm. And then they, but then what they, they do, then they start the oolong process in which they do sa ching, which is like the steaming to stop it exactly where it is, and then rolling it into balls, whereas red tea wouldn't do that. Red tea is not rolled. It's not rolled. And, and it's not, and they don't also, and it's not steamed. The one he did, um, okay, how? Okay, so the one that we were just drinking before is actually um, done completely as an oolong, but just the process in the beginning of wilting and also allowing the allowing the, the, the tea leaves to, to sit and ferment. So first sunning it and then wilting it. So mm. these two processes, the, the time is just elongated, 
uh, much longer than than with the Li San Li San tea that we had at the very beginning. That would be a very short time because it's only about twelve percent. But to forty five percent, the time you just need a lot longer time in the sun, sitting and wilting and oxidizing, but you don't crush it. Ah, and with this stuff, you're crushing you it up. To crush it, and you're really forcing the fermentation. You're just yes. um, and he, speeding he, it up. Yes. And he just talked about there are two particular um, chemicals which make it red mm. that will come out in the oxidizing and breaking it will uh, release a lot more of those, those they, they will, it will have that particular chemical transformation. And I don't know the chemical names of those. That's okay. This tea is delicious and it's gorgeous. Yes. So, Michael, what are you interested in getting? Oh, well, I, I definitely want to get some of that... Uh, that Yanzi Oolong. Yanzi Oolong. Mm -hmm. And I want to get some of that, that tea that we first drank. Ah, okay. The, uh, the Lisan? That, that, yeah, the Lisan. It's a gangsai zoda. Mm. We all have to drink that. I'm going to bring some of that first stuff home to my wife. I think she'll really love it. Um, and then the ensign. And then I should probably take a little bit of this. It's very healthy. It's been 20 years. It's uncultivated. It's, like, it's, it's not been cultivated. And it's been left in the wild for 20 years. And, and they haven't cleared the underbrush or whatever. They just kind of go in and take what they get. So this is wild tea. Yeah, sure. It's a wild tea. Yeah. Okay, so, so we're going to get some of this wild. Okay. Bye bye. So good. So his filming of your interviewing is on his Facebook, so you can use his card to take a look at Ah, great. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we can just link to that on the show notes page. You can. He already put it up on Facebook? Yeah. We were sitting here drinking tea, and this cat, and we were like. Alive. You know, he, we were, live we're interviewing Mr. Lee, <laughs> and he's sitting there doing a live broadcast. Doing a us. live broadcast onto Facebook. <laughs> I love Taiwan. Taiwan. Well, Mr. Lee, yeah, I, I'm going to want some of uh, actually each of these that we've had here today mm -hmm. because this stuff is just so delicious. Li Sanchang, thank you so much for sharing your tea with us today and giving us these explanations, selling me this these fabulous leaves that I can take home and share with my friends. Any other comments that you'd like to share before we well, beat it out of here? <laughs> well, I'm very happy to share my my little corner of Taiwan with you and with your and through this wonderful technology with uh, further friends in America and hope more people can come and enjoy and make Taiwan part of their life more than beyond the podcast. <laughs> and if you need tea, I can set you up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment click on the iTunes review button and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.